Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Probably do at least one more song. Page four, Psalm 23. This is directly out of the Bible. The song, Psalm 
closer to the pulpit. We'll prepare to go in prayer in here in just a minute here. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Thank you for waking us up today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us together as a family, as a congregation, as brothers and sisters, and as a kingdom. You have called us together this day to hear something, to hear your word, to receive instruction and edification and teaching and correction. Father, we accept the spiritual meal that you are about to feed us with great blessing. We pray that it will be sown within our minds and hearts and souls fully and profitable to you to bear good fruit for your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that you would remove any blockages, any, any hindrances, that those things be removed in the name of Jesus, so that we can fully believe and understand, comprehend and embrace your truth. We ask, Lord, Heavenly Father, your grace, your mercy, and your blessing upon these services, upon everything that's said and done, let it all be to your glory. Thy will prevail in this and in us forever without end. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise Jesus. Good to see everyone on the seventh day. Amen. Praise Jesus. I do need to tell you before I forget that if if there's a disconnection in the broadcast, if it stops for a few seconds or a minute, it could be that if somebody calls me, tries to call me on my phone, it will automatically disconnect my internet. Uh, I need to remember next week to use Brittany's phone rather than mine because it doesn't do that, and that will be better. But every week I am a, in extreme rush to get everything set up in time, and it's hard to remember everything. Robert, please try to help me remember next week if you want to put in some notes or something to use her phone for the internet connection next week. So if that happens and somebody tries to call me, my internet will disconnect. But as soon as they hang up and, and stop trying to call, once it stops ringing, it will reconnect all by itself. I won't have to pay any attention to it. I won't have to push any buttons. And that's so it only should take a few seconds, 30 seconds, but then they might try to call back again and disconnect again a second time. But after two, three times, they won't try again, okay? And I, I, I would, I would that everyone would learn, amen, not to call during services, amen. But with different time zones, people tend to forget uh, what time services are if they're not able to listen live. So just hang on to the services. It will reconnect by itself. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to push any buttons. You don't have to refresh the page. It will just reconnect, okay? So heads up about that. Now, another thing is... Uh, I really want to make for sure that everybody's listening to the services, whether you have to listen live or whether you have to listen later in the day. I like to make for sure that certain people are listening. And that's because I love you. And I am a spiritual leader to you. And it's my duty and my responsibility as your pastor and as a friend and as a brother to make for sure that you are keeping the seventh day, that you are worshiping on the seventh day, resting on the seventh day, keeping God's commandments, including rest and worship, listening to services on the seventh day, even if you have to listen later or even one week behind every week, even, even if you have to do that in certain time zones. And so I'm going to issue a code number to a couple of brothers just to make for sure you're listening. So if you're listening or will be listening to this, as soon as you hear this after the sermon, after you get done listening, 
shoot me a text message, an email, a chat message, whatever, whatever, and give me this code. And if you don't send me this code, then I know you never did listen to this sermon. Amen. But if you send me this code, then I know that you did listen to the sermon. Okay? So, Brother Meekness, the code is number 11. And also, BJ in India, the code is also 11. So, both of you, BJ in India, Meekness, over there in the United Arab Immigrants right now, he had escaped from Africa, praise the Lord. Man of faith, amen, a man of zeal, escaped from Africa, but now he's trapped in the United Arab Immigrants, and that is a pretty much just as dangerous, perhaps more dangerous than Africa. So let's pray, everybody, that he will be able to escape United Arab immigrants as well in time. God's will be done. And I just want to make sure, make sure everybody is doing what they need to be doing to follow Jesus. Amen. To follow Jesus, to keep his commandments, and be on track of where you need, need to be right now. Amen. That's all I'm doing is trying to make sure everybody's on track. Now, let's go to John 19, John chapter 19, and before we get into this, and before I forget, I will update you on the Alpha and Omega Bible. It is almost done. Praise the Lord. Uh, The law is done. The history is done. The wisdom is done. The New Testament is almost completely done. I just got to do a whole lot of edits to the prophets, to that volume number four. Only one volume needs quite a few edits, which is already written down what to do. All I got to do is do those, make those edits. And so hopefully, hopefully maybe by Wednesday, all of this will be done and sent to the printers. And then maybe by Monday, not tomorrow, Monday, I mean, not two days from now, but more like nine days from now or sooner, you'll be able to start ordering your Bibles. And if I have promised you that I will be sending those Bibles, then yes, of course, I will be sending those Bibles. Otherwise, you have to make arrangements or ask me, whatever. Do something to obtain these updates. I really do encourage everybody, one way or another, whether it's through me or through Amazon or whatever, to get the updated Bibles in print, paperbacks. Don't rely on your electronic copy download PDF from the Internet that you download it to your computer. Don't rely on that because the Great Tribulation is at the door. It is at the door. Before we get into the sermon, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the news, which proves that the Great Tribulation is at the door, which means you could lose the Internet and the electricity within the next couple of months or so. And then you're going to need these printed copies of the Bible, which you need to be relying upon anyway rather than the PDF. 
because the printed copies of the Bible, the real Bible, the real paper Bible, will help you grow in understanding and in the Holy Ghost himself will come into you greater through the pages of the Bible, greater than what he would through electricity. Amen. And so, in the news, we see a lot of stuff happening, but the biggest, the biggest thing in the news today, just today, is that the Syrian army has surrounded nine out of, I think, nine out of 12 Turkish military outposts in northwestern Syria or in Syria. That's huge. That is huge, huge. Red alert. This should be on the front page of every magazine, of every newspaper. It should be breaking news 24-7 on every TV station. This should interrupt the soap operas. This should interrupt movies. This should interrupt cartoons. This should interrupt football. This is huge that the Syrian army has surrounded nine Turkish military points in Syria. That's huge. And Turkey continues to send massive numbers, massive numbers of troops and tanks and trucks and ammunition supplies into Syria to counter the Syrian aggression. At this point, at this point of time, the way it looks right here right now, it looks like Syria and Turkey both, both sides, are not going to back down, that they are going to bump heads. That's the way it appears right now. And America has already declared that we will side with Turkey as a fellow NATO member against the Syrian aggression. Secretary of State of the United States said this is a grave situation and that we will stand with our NATO ally Turkey. This appears to be the flashpoint that will ignite the strong delusion, the abomination of desolation, the great tribulation, World War III, the Gog-Magog War, all of this. This appears to be what we have been waiting for, and it's right on time. Today is only one month away in the Roman calendar, only one month away from the strong delusion or parent. Amen. Now, again, as I have said, I'm going to make sure everybody knows and understands this in case you missed it somewhere. Um, on the true calendar, God's true calendar, is March 8th and March 9th. But the Jews are, are keeping it, what, the 9th and the 10th, something like that. The 9th and the 10th. So they're a day off, and they usually are most of the time a day or two off, sometimes even a month off. We can't go as far as our observance of Purim, our observance of the holy days. We don't go by the Jews dating because their dating is wrong. But God might allow the strong delusion to occur on their dating 
even though we keep the correct dating for the holidays of God, the strong delusion might occur on the Jewish dating, which would put a day off from our dating. The reason he might allow that is if you look at when Jesus died, he did not die on the true day of Passover, but rather he died a day late, a day after Passover, on the first day of unleavened bread. The reason he did that was because he died on the day of the Passover that the Jews kept. They was keeping the wrong date. But he decided that he would die as the Passover lamb on the Passover date that the Jews were observing so that they could recognize the importance of his death. He died at the exact moment that they were killing the Passover lamb to eat it for Passover. The exact moment that they, that they were split in the throat or however they did it, the exact moment that they killed the lamb, he died on their date. So the strong delusion of term next month could be on the correct day or on the Jewish day, either one. Either way, we're looking at March 8th, 9th, 10th, or 11th. Somewhere was in that time zone, that time frame, March 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. And the way it looks right now, this military aggression between Syria and Turkey seems to be the, the big, big flashpoint that's going to set it off. Now, things could change, but that's the way it appears right now. And also, we see in the news the Chinese coronavirus. continues to spread big time in China. China now has not just one or two or three towns under quarantine, but rather 60, 60, get this, 60 towns in China or under quarantine. That's three different states, three regions, and 60 towns, that's over 200 million people. Over 200 million people are on lockdown in China, not even allowed to leave their homes. And that's, if you compare that to the American population, that's over half of the American population. If this was in this, inside the United States with the same number of people quarantined, it would be over half of the United States under lockdown, martial law, basically. This is huge. And not only in China, but on cruise ships around the world. At least two, at least three maybe cruise ships where many people on board have the virus confirmed. One of them is over 60 people on one cruise ship has the virus. Another one, at least 30, I think. And another one, they're not even lit letting to dock anywhere, even though they claim nobody aboard is sick, they're not letting it, that particular cruise ship dock in any port, anywhere. They've been turned around, turned away at every port, I guess because that they had been near China or they have Chinese on board, I don't know. Another area of concern is that uh, on January 25th, only two weeks ago, there was thousands, I don't know how many thousands, but there was thousands of Chinese in Las Vegas 
for celebrations of the Chinese New Year. Uh, I did send out the newsletter just a few minutes before the sermon, and I give you the link in there that shows you that across Las Vegas, on January 25th, the Chinese New Year's, there was many different activities, events going on in that city of Las Vegas for the Chinese New Year. Why would they have, I'm just going to throw it off the top of my mind, I didn't count, why would they have something like 10 different celebrations all across the town of places where people could go and celebrate the Chinese New Year? Why would they do that unless there are thousands of people there that they're advertising, hey, here, here's where you can come. This is not for Americans. This is for the Chinese. When you have 10 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, however many it was, activities scattered all around the town for the Chinese New Year's. It is because they have tourists from China that are there for those events. Amen. Common sense. And that is a concern to me because if you have thousands of the Chinese in one town at the same time, in Las Vegas, on the slot machines, and bathrooms, and doorknobs, and motels, and everything else, all across Las Vegas, and not only them, but you have people from all across the world and all across the United States at the same time in Las Vegas, using the same bathroom, using the same doorknobs, using the same slot machines using the same motel rooms. You know they don't clean those motel rooms very well, just enough to make them look decent, but they don't disinfect. They don't come in there and use bleach and Lysol. Amen? They just make up the bed, sweep and mop, take the dirty towels away. That's all they do. Amen? They don't disinfect the motel room. And a lot of times they might not even change the sheets if they look clean. So, this is a concern. Not a worry, but a concern. There's a difference between a concern and a worry. Amen. Then we also have the plagues of locusts, which is grasshoppers. That's what they are. A locust is a grasshopper. Or at least that's what they're talking about in Pakistan, Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and other nations in Africa and the Middle East. It looks like a huge, huge, huge plague of locusts. Yes, they have locusts every year. We have locusts right here in Tennessee. But this, the number of locusts, the size of the locust infestation is massive, much larger than usual. And it's going to do what? It's going to eat their crops. It is going to eat their crops, which brings famine into the world increased. Another thing about the coronavirus, when you have 60 towns in China shut down, what is that going to do to the world supply of food, EVs, electronic parts, car parts, and all kinds of different products that Americans 
use and people all around the world use. It's going it, it, if it goes on and goes on and goes on, which is what it looks like, even the experts, even the official so-called experts say that this ain't over with and is only getting started. Multiple officials are saying that we have not seen the worst of this yet. So if this is going to get worse and drag on for weeks or months, what is that going to do to the supply of food and products and car parts and the economy, not only in China, but all across the world? You add that to what's going on in Turkey and the plagues of locusts and bird flu and swine flu and other types of flu that are breaking out, even Ebola. All this adds up to the same conclusion. We are at the door of the Great Tribulation. All of this at this point of time of the year. Not six months ago, but right now when we only have another month to go before parent, it lines up perfectly with the timeline. Amen? So can't you understand what I'm saying, why I'm saying that it looks like the strong delusion will occur on perm of this year, only a month away? If you was in my shoes, if you had my job, my duty, my responsibility of blowing the trumpet, warning the people, wouldn't you proclaim the same thing? Amen? Whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong, would you not proclaim the same thing when you see this? Ezekiel 33 says, If the watchman sees the sword coming and blows not the trumpet and does not warn the people, but he sees that sword coming and he does not blow the trumpet and warn the people, their blood will be on his hands. Amen. But it also says, if he sees the sword coming and does blow the alarm and does blow the trumpet and the people don't listen and the people don't believe and the people don't heed his word, then their blood is on their own hands. Amen. So I share with you what I see, that you can see yourself by just reading the news. I give you the links in the newsletter. You can examine the evidence, your own self, and make your own conclusion of whether to believe the trumpet or not. Now let's get into the sermon. John 19, John chapter 19. Now, people, please don't order the new copies of Alpha and Omega Bible until I let you know. Because if you order it too early, you're not going to get the update. You're going to get the old, the old copy. So please wait. Be patient. Just a few more days. John 19, verse 25. John 19, verse 25. We're going to read verse 25 through verse 27. 
Verse 25 says, Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mom and his mom's sister, so that would be his aunt, and also, uh, or actually that is, uh, I don't know if it means his sister is named Mary or if it means a different woman named Mary, the wife of Clopas, and also Mary Magdalene. So you have this group of women standing at the cross. Jesus is there on the cross completely naked because that's the way the Romans crucified everybody. They didn't make any exceptions. Everybody was crucified completely naked. And he knows that he's going to die, of course. And this is among his final moments. What does he do? Verse 26, when Jesus then saw his mom and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mom, woman, behold, your son is talking about the disciple, which is talking about John. Now, John is writing this. This is the book of John. Many times in that day and time, even today, there is the technique of writing in the third person. And that was very popular at the time that John was writing this, that they would write in the third person. That means that even though John is writing, he is writing about himself as if it's a third person, as if it is someone else, even though he's writing about himself. He doesn't say, Jesus was talking about me, but he was talking about John. You look in other verses, it talks about how John laid on the chest of Jesus, laid on his chest. That's a very intimate friendship. They were very much close buddies. And so John and Jesus very much loved one another, very much loved one another as brothers, as buddies. Amen. And as master and servant and father and son. They loved each other dearly. And that's what it's talking about, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, he loved all, his, all of his disciples, but especially John was his closest friend. And he says to Mary about John, says, Behold, your son. Then he said to John, the disciple, Behold, your mom. And from that hour, the disciple, John, took her, Mary, into his own household. Now, John, I mean, Jesus could have said to Mary, I want you to be strong and independent. You don't need a man. You're strong. You're a strong woman, holy of the Lord, chosen by God. You've proven yourself, and you don't need a man. Don't worry about anything because I'll take care of you. But instead of saying, Mary, you are strong and independent, instead she said, he said to her, Behold, look at your son. He, John, who is not even related, is now your son. And John, look and see your mom. He, he said to John, basically, in different words, John, you are now responsible for my mom. Take care of her. Amen. Now let's estimate the ages here. 
This is just an estimate. They say that Jesus was 33. I don't know whether that's correct or wrong or what, but they said he was 33 when he died. And most likely that's about right, maybe. So, and she was probably, wild guess, maybe about 12 years old when she gave birth to Jesus, maybe 10, 11, 12, 13, because that is the age when women gave birth for the first baby when back in that day, back in that time, in, in, in the times of when Jesus walked on the earth, usually a woman's first baby was about 10, 11, 12 years old. So let's just say 12, 12 plus 33, 45. So she was probably around 45 years old or so. She wasn't old. She wasn't an old crippled woman. She wasn't an elder elderly woman. She was not a senior citizen. Amen. A woman that was really still young, 45 years old. And that's being conservative because I'm saying 12 and it could have been 11 or 10. So she may have been like 42, 43. A young woman that Jesus did not say be strong and independent, you don't need a man. But rather, he appointed his best friend to take Mary into his own home, take care of her, lead her, lead and protect and take care of her. Amen? That really says something. And a lot of people would say, well, culture and times change. That was 2,000 years ago. But, this, but the fact is, the fact is, everything Jesus did, he did for example to us. Amen. He did as an example to us. Amen. He could have already taken care of that in private. He knew he was going to die. He knew when he was going to die and how he was going to die and where. He knew all of that. He could have already had that taken care of in private between John and Mary already. Why did he say it in front of everybody as a public statement that would be written down as scripture? Because it is an example to us. Amen? The title of today's sermon is, Women Need Men. Women Need Men. What I said recently in a sermon and newsletter recently in the past couple or so weeks, that it would be better for single men. At this point of time, it would be better for single men to not get married. But what I said was very specific. I didn't say it would be better for single women to stay single and not get married. What I said was very specific. It would be better for single men to stay single. I didn't say women. So what I said did not apply toward the women. I was being very specific. The fact is, single women would be better getting married as long as their husband was a God-fearing man, a man that served God in the truth. 
indefinitely the woman would be better off with that godly man. Amen. But not just a husband. John was not her husband, right? John was not even a relative as far as we know. There's two Johns in the Bible. John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus, who all had already died before this. And then there's John the Apostle, who, as far as I know, was not related. Now, John, I mean, uh, Jesus, Jesus did have sisters, even brothers. Yeah, did you know that? Wow, cool, man. Jesus did have brothers and sisters. Oh, come on. Back then, a woman never had just one baby. Come on now. Back then, they had like 10, 14, 20 babies, okay? He had brothers and sisters, and we know that even from the Bible, even says he had brothers and sisters. But common sense also would dictate that as well, even if the Bible didn't say it. Amen. But instead of choosing a brother or sister, he chose his best buddy to take care of his mom. So it doesn't always have to be a husband, but women does need men. Now let's look at the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 5. And as I was saying, people say, well, culture changes. But God doesn't. Amen. God does not change. His mind, his, his, his culture, the culture of God does not change. Amen. 1 Timothy 5. We're going to go from verse 1 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. Now, Timothy was a disciple of Paul. What that means is that Paul was teaching Timothy how to be a good pastor. And Paul is writing Timothy to instruct him and teach him how to be the best pastor and best man that he can be. He says to Timothy in verse 1, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father as if he is your father. And to the younger men, appeal to them as if they are brothers. And the older women as mothers. Consider older women as mothers. Respect them in that manner. And the younger women as sisters in all purity. And honor widows who are widows indeed, or widows truly, truly, who are truly widows. Now there are some widows that in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Paul, that even though, even though the husband may have died, they are not to be considered widows for the purpose of charity, for the purpose of how a pastor, how a church, how a congregation would deal with that woman in her need for food and rent and place to live, and finances, how we deal with them. That's what this is. As you, as you keep reading, you're going to see the context, is 
when do you consider a woman as a true widow as far as how much you're going to help her, how much you're going to uh, sacrifice of your time and energy and money to support her? And it says, honor widows who are widows indeed, truly widows according to the following standards. Verse 4, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn, those people, the children and the grandpeople, must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family. That means they, those children and grandchildren, need to learn how to take care of their own family. They need to learn how to be devout, loyal, faithful caretakers of that woman. The children and the grandchildren need to take care of that woman and give back recompense or repay to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of fields. It doesn't say that you should tell that woman she has to get a job or that you should tell that woman to be strong and independent, that she doesn't need anyone. It doesn't say that. But rather, that the children and grandchildren, and that's what that's really talking about is sons and grandsons, even a granddaughter if necessary, but primarily sons and grandsons, should take care of this woman if, they, if she has family and repay her for what she had done to them as a child, taking care of them. Verse 5, now she is a widow indeed truly who has been left alone, meaning without children. And even without brothers, uncles, nephews, cousins, without any man to take care of her. If you look, if we keep reading and compare other Bible verses, if she's alone and has fixed her hope on Theos and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day, Robert has retranslate entreaties. So if the woman is of God, and if the woman is faithful to God, and she has no children and grandchildren or family to take care of her, then she is truly a widow, and therefore we should treat her with the finances, the charity, the financial help, and so forth. Verse 6, but she gave herself, uh, but, but she who a different woman, a different type of woman, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Okay? So if a woman is not of God, don't even help her. Don't consider her a widow if she's going to blow the money on cigarettes and pot. Amen? Timothy. Pastor Timothy, don't give money to a woman that's going to blow it on cigarettes and pot. If she does not belong to the Lord, let her die. What? 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 Hey, that's what Paul is telling Timothy. She's already dead. Amen? While she's still alive, she is still dead. Verse 7, prescribe these things. Woo! Prescribe as a doctor. 
this is what you need to do to help people. They prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, his own family, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than unbeliever. We are responsible for taking care of our own family, especially those that live with us in our own house, if they are believers and if they are people that follow God. There's that requirement. If they don't follow God, but rather they follow Satan, then you have no requirement upon you to take care of mom, dad, grandma, and it doesn't matter how old they are. If they don't follow God, but rather they follow Satan, they're already dead. Amen? And it doesn't matter how much money you give them and how much you live with them and wipe their butt. They're dead. And they're going to die in the tribulation unless God has a plan to change them around during the tribulation. But let him do that through somebody else. Get out of that house if you live with a Catholic demon worshiper. Because Catholics are demon worshipers. Let's just say it the way it is. What they call Pope Francis is literally Satan. And what they call Pope Benedict is literally a demon. So when they go to the Catholic churches on Sunday, and when they pray on their rosary beads, and when they do all that, when they do Christmas, when they do Easter, when they do St. Patrick's Day, when they do Ash Wednesday, all of that is worship of Satan. And a man of God and a woman of God has no business living with Satan worshipers. Amen. They are dead already. So don't try to live with them. But if they serve the Lord, then we are responsible for taking care of our family if they serve the Lord. Verse 9, a widow is to be put on the list of taking care of only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. If she is less than 60, she should not be put on this list of people that the pastor has to help. Why? You're going to find out why here in a minute. Having a reputation for good works. Let's read this again, verse 9. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old. And she can be put on the list only if she has been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, and if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, meaning she's taken communion. Amen. She has taken communion and washed the saints' feet on Passover, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work, and if she has done hospitality also about the saints' feet, washing saints' feet, that is the job of a servant. That is the job of a woman. When a stranger comes into her house, or even a brother comes into her house back there in that damn time, the streets were not paved. 
The streets were dirty, muddy, and filled with sewer. So anytime anybody would come into your house, the woman would immediately rush, immediately, no matter who it was, a stranger or not, the woman would immediately rush and get a bucket of water and wash the feet of the person who have come to visit. They may have come to sell a vacuum a vacuum cleaner and then be like, sit down and let me wash your feet. Or they may have come to sell a set of encyclopedias. Sit down, let me wash your feet. Amen. And so if this woman has been this type of woman to present that hospitality as well as keeping the communion, washing the feet on Passover, all that different type of washing the feet, if she has been a godly woman and she is at least 60 years old and she has lost her husband and she doesn't have any children to take care of and if she doesn't have any grandchildren to take care of, then put her on the list for the pastor to take care of or a deacon. Verse 11, but refuse to put younger widows on the list. For when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle, for they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married and bear children and keep house and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. Therefore, what Paul just said in this latter part is he does want the women less than 60 years old who their husband has died to get remarried. He does want them to get married. So when he condemns certain women for wanting to get married and getting married, he's not condemning everybody that gets remarried, but rather he's condemning the women that are not following God and just marrying false men, following carnal desires jumping the gun and just marrying evil men who are going to lead them astray. But it's good if that young woman does marry, but she should not do so in a sinful way. She should not do so in a careless way, following just lust. But rather that woman should find a good man. Amen. That's what he wants them to do and, and bear children and have more children, have some children and keep house, not go to work, not get a career, not go to college, not get a degree, not become a doctor or a lawyer, but rather keep house. That means worse dishes, sweet, moth, do housework, take care of her husband, take care of the children, be a homemaker, a housewife. That is what Paul is instructing Timothy to do as a good pastor. Amen.
Now here we see the examples of children and grandchildren. And we also saw the example of just a friend. So it does not have to be children and grandchildren who takes care of a woman when the husband dies. Now, we're talking about death, but it, this is also true uh, while we're talking about death of a husband. But we're going to read in Esther where it also refers to even the death of parents before she got married. While she's a young girl, she's not married yet, and the parents die. In the book of Esther, we're going to read where she still needs a man rather than independence. Amen. So let's go over to Esther. That's in the book of history. Esther 2. Now, what I'm going to read in Esther here will probably be identical to what you have in your copy, but page 263, um, it might be slightly different, I don't know, because I'm reading from the brand new copy of the update on this particular verse, but I believe I did not change this verse far as I can remember right now. Esther 2, verse 7. Now, Esther is the book of the Bible that tells us about parents, which is next month, the holiday coming up a month from now. We will be having special services on parent, either that Monday or that Tuesday. We will be having special services on parent because it is a holy day. And it will be at 7 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. For holy days, a lot of times, we do sometimes have special services at 7 in the morning rather than having it two in the afternoon so that people in Australia and Korea and different time zones will be more likely to be able to tune in live for a special service, a holy day, special holy day service. Esther 2, verse 7. And he... Um, Let's read, go back a few verses where we can understand this better. Um, let's see. Verse 5. Let's start in verse 5. Esther 2, verse 5. Now, there was a Jew in the city of uh, Shusha, and his name is Mordecai, or Mordecai, the son of Jairus, the son of Semiris, the son of Shishia of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 6, who had been brought as a prisoner from Jerusalem, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried into captivity. And he had a foster child, the daughter of Amadad, his father's brother. So this is the daughter of his uncle. So this is his cousin, Mordecai's cousin. 
and her name was Hadasha, which most Bibles say Esther, that her name is Hadasha. And when her parents were dead, he brought her up for a wife or as a wife for himself. And the damsel was beautiful. So Mordecai, who was a man of God, brought this girl. She would have been extremely young into his own house to take care of her. Now, it was sort of because it was family. This was his cousin, and her parents had died. And evidently, there might not have been a brother or something like that, and or all the brothers were refused to do their proper service or whatever, whatever reason, this fell upon him being a male family member, a cousin. And he brought her into his own house and married her and took care of her. Now, they were taken captive by the uh, Babylonian Empire into this Iranian city. And then the account continues about what happened with the Iranian people prosecuting, persecuting the Jews, and it turns out to be parent. Everybody, if you've not yet read this book of Esther ever before, I really encourage you to read this book within this next 30 days because the book of Perm, I mean the book of Esther, is about Perm, the holiday that we're going to be celebrating one month from today. So you really need to read this. All of this book is a small book, a short book, easy to read, a beautiful book. Amen. And it's very important for this day and this time. Amen. Now, hopefully, God willing, we'll have some more instruction about Pern before Pern, before we get there. And there's an internet cut now, I think. So, also, in addition to reading this book, I also encourage you to read the article about Pern, okay, on the website. You can find that very easy. On the bottom of the page, of every page on the website, there is a search box. And all you've got to do is type into that search box the word perm and click enter, and you will find the article about perm. Okay? Make for sure that you stay on I Saw the Light Ministries or, or perhaps part two, I Saw the Light Ministries or I Saw the Light Ministries. Okay? Because some of those search results will sometimes include some advertisements from Google for other websites. So make for sure you click on the link that will keep you on I Saw the Light Ministries. Amen? And sometimes the address might even say part two dot I saw the light ministries and that's okay too. Okay, you you'll still be on the website. Read the Perm article and this book of Esther, both really the sooner the better within these next thirty days so that you'll be prepared for that holiday. Okay? Now, so here we see even a cousin. We saw children, we go we saw grandchildren, now we see cousin. And all these are men who are taking care of a girl. Now, this girl can be a, 
a girl that lost her husband or a girl that lost her parents. So different situations. Now, I also apply that for divorce as well, okay? It doesn't have to be death. The point is the woman or girl of any age, 42, even 59, or 42, or 10, or 11, or 12, uh, any of these age groups, a woman that does not have a man needs a man to come in, whether it's family or not, needs to come in and take care of that woman. It can be a husband that takes care of a woman. It can be a dad that takes care of a woman. It can be a stepdad. It can be a brother or even a brother-in-law. We can see even children, grandchildren, sons, and grandsons. It can be a nephew or uncle. It can be a cousin or even a pastor or a buddy. It can be any male as long as he is a man of God. Amen. And even if he's not a man of God, it would still be better, really, as long as that man does not lead her into damnation. Okay? So this does not mean automatically that all senior women must get married as soon as possible. Since there are more types other than just husbands, there are more types, additional types of male caretakers, such as cousins and pastors and buddies. Amen. So it does not mean that women should seek uh, a husband necessarily, although some can. Now, Paul did say he would want a woman to get married. So that's ideal. That is ideal. Because a, a husband is going to take better care than just a friend or a relative. A husband is with that woman much more, much more intimately, much more loving, much more caring, much more compassionate, being tied together mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, being tied together in all of those ways. So it actually is preferred, but it's not always necessary. Every woman is different. Every situation is different. But no matter what the situation is, a woman still needs a man, whether it's a husband or other caretaker. If the woman is truly eligible for remarriage, that would be best to be remarried. But a lot has to be considered to determine that. It's difficult for a pastor to always determine whether a woman is eligible for remarriage or not just by talking on the Internet, just through email and chat form, it's not even through phone. It's not always possible that a pastor can make that determination of whether a woman is eligible for remarriage or not eligible for remarriage. The reason it's difficult to determine that just through telephone and email is I'm not there. And I wasn't there last year. And I wasn't there six months ago. And I wasn't there two years ago. And there's always two sides to a story. Amen. His side and her side. And really, many times, there's three sides to a story. His side, her side, and the truth. Because usually, her side has some 
some things that are not completely truthful, and his side has some things that's not completely truthful. So her side, his side, and then what the truth really is, three different sides to the story, usually. Amen. Because people get emotional, especially women, get emotional and exaggerate, tell half-truths, or they might be in their own mind completely honest, but the truth still be something different. Because some people have a very hard time examining themselves, seeing themselves, seeing their own fault. Remember, I did a sermon a few months back that other people can smell you better than you can smell yourself. And other people can see you better than you can see yourself. Therefore, we should listen. We should listen to the criticism of other people that can see us better and hear us better and smell us better than we can ourselves. Amen. And we need to examine ourselves. Amen. So the verses I have given are not the only verses. There are other verses. Um, but these are a few verses uh, that tells us that a woman is a man and that a woman would be better with a husband primarily. Now, the exception would be is if, as I've already said, the exception is if that man or that woman is a devil worshiper, then it might be better even for her to be single. Amen. But she would still need some kind of a male caretaker, such as a pastor. Okay? Women do need men. Some of the reasons that a woman might need a man is, first of all, or one of the reasons, is protection. Especially in the day and time we live in, women need men locally, not just on the Internet. Women need men for protection. Women are easy prey, especially in the great tribulation that's about to come upon this world. In the great tribulation, there will no longer be the police. There would no longer be uh, a phone. You won't be able to just call the police or call 911. You know what that means? And war and Chinese and Russians and Iranians and Mexicans and all different races of people running the streets, going door to door, raping any woman they want to rape. And if you don't have a husband or uncle, or a son or grandson or somebody, some man, a strong man with muscles to take care of you, that's a dangerous situation. Women need men, but especially in this coming great tribulation, you better have a man to take care of you. Even a man needs a man to take care of him, to watch his back, to keep, keep his back, to watch his back, to help one another stay alive and survive. We need one another. Amen. Nobody is going to be able to do this thing all by themselves. No one. Not even a man. Even the men need other buddies, friends, to watch and guard them and protect them and stick together. Amen. So how is a woman going to be independent in the Great Tribulation? 
Ain't no such thing. Even, even inside a pregnant woman's womb, while she is pregnant and the baby is developing inside her belly, science proves that the cells that contribute to the baby's protection are from the man's sperm, while the nurturing cells originate from the woman's egg. So even while the baby is being formed, the male part, the sperm, is contributing to protecting the baby even in the womb. This, even science proves that a woman needs a man and that it is in the man's DNA. It's even the man's sperm is in the male testosterone to protect a woman. Amen? It is part of who we are as men. Man, we're good. We're better than I thought. Ha, ha. You know I'm kidding. But it is true that even in the man's sperm and testosterone, in his hormones, in his DNA, in his chromosomes, it is part of a man to protect a woman. And if that's true, and it is, then a woman needs a man. Amen. He also, she also needs a man to help her raise and discipline children. Amen. Especially if they have boys. Then definitely she needs a man to help raise that boy, even if it's a girl. But especially if the child is a boy, that boy needs a male role model to teach him how to grow up to be a real man. A woman can't do that. A woman cannot teach a boy how to be a man. She might can lead him the right direction, and that's helpful. But she can't really fully, in the same manner, to the same extent, teach a boy to be a man the same as a man could. A boy needs a father in his life. He really does. And if it's not a father, then at least a father figure, an uncle, a pastor, a, one of your nephews, a cousin, somebody to help that boy maintain the right direction throughout his childhood in the correct direction, amen, of masculinity. Another reason that a woman needs a man is for income, financial reasons. Women, ideally, should not be working outside the home except for just maybe possibility of, uh, of a woman teaching young children outside the home or being a caretaker for elderly or sick or disabled people or taking care of babies, babysitting at a neighbor's house, babysitting for somebody, taking care of children, maybe, maybe working as a part-time maid, maybe cooking and cleaning for a single man or a disabled person, Something like this, a woman might be able to do, but it must be only part-time, only, only, only just a few hours a week outside the home. Other than these few exceptions, 
a woman should not be working, ideally. Now, I know in this modern day and time, because the system, the system is broken, families are broken, government is broken, charity is broken, everything is broken in this world. We live in an upside-down world. But I know in this day and time, especially in the modern Western world especially, this might be difficult to live by these standards. So I realize there might be exceptions. But in general, and for the most part, and as much as it may be possible within us, women should try not to work. They should try to be under the, the mantle, under the cure of some type of male, as godly as possible. And he might not be perfect. He might not be the ideal man, but as godly as possible of a man. Lead, guide, direct, and take care of that woman as much as possible within, within us in this day and time. Another reason a woman needs a man is for correct financial decisions. Most of the time, in general, men are better at saving money and being cheap. <laughs> now, I know there's exceptions. There are some men, especially these days, who are careless with their money, who are irresponsible, immature. But in general, when we look at the world, even in the broken system, when we look at the world, it generally is true that most of the time the men are the ones that want to save money and be responsible with the money, not buy expensive stuff and try to save and be responsible. Most of the time, in general, I know there's exceptions. So in general, a woman needs a man for correct, financial decisions, as well as to bring money into the home to pay rent and so forth. Another reason a woman needs a man is for household repairs, to fix the sink, to fix the door, to fix the window, to fix things around the house that most women in general don't know how to fix. And a woman might know how to do everything without a man, but she shouldn't know how to do everything without a man. She might know how to fix everything, even better than a man. She might know how to change the tire on the car and change the oil in the car. She might be able to do all of that without a man, but she shouldn't have to do it without a man. She shouldn't even have, have to even know how to do those things because those things is the man's job the man's DNA, the man's chromosome. It is what the man should do his job and what he should have been trained to do by his dad or his buddy, a pastor or uncle or father figure. Amen. And women should be home, a homemaker, a housewife. This is the proper gender roles. I am not trying to say, or it's not even my heart or intent to say, to say that or to even indicate 
in any way, shape, or manner that women or animals or anything like that. This is just the proper gender roles, the way people should be raised, the way that people should live their lives. This is the way Paul viewed it. This is the way Mordecai viewed it. This is the way all the men and women of the Bible viewed it. And the gender roles have not changed in God's eyes. This is the way that things should work. And it's the way that we should still, to this day, try to make it work to the best of our ability. Another reason uh, a woman needs a man is to help in the garden and to hunt and to fish to provide food on the table for his wife and children and the community. A man should be able to fish. And really, a man should be able to hunt. And boys need a father figure to teach them how to fish and how to hunt. And, of course, a woman also needs spiritual leadership. And every man is called to be a spiritual leader of his wife and children. Every man. Even if he's not called to be a pastor or a prophet or evangelist, he is still called to be a spiritual and physical leader of his wife and children of his own household. Now let's go back to the book of Timothy and let's look at 2 Timothy 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Verse 5. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Holding, there are certain people that hold to a form of godliness, form of godliness or appearance of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them, among those evil men, are those who enter into households and lead captive, weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I don't know for sure whether it's talking about those men or those women, but somebody here is always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. My main point in these verses is that there are some men who can easily deceive women. Now, that's true even for men. Men can deceive other men, right? Of course. But again, Paul tells Timothy, warns Timothy, 
that women are actually more susceptible to being deceived. And I have seen this over and over and over, such as in the cult called Almighty Winds. And I don't want anybody to look that up because it is a demonic witchcraft cult. Don't go looking for trouble. Amen. But two different people, maybe even three, at least two different women have come out of that cult. And that's wonderful that they came out of that cult. Praise God. Amen. Praise Jesus. But I have never met a man that was in that cult. I'm sure there are men. But it is mostly women. It is mostly women. I've looked at it. I've researched it. And it is mostly women that are in that cult. And the same is true with many other cults, mostly women. Even like the seven-day Adventists, how they got more women pastors than men, it seems like to me. And we can even look at the example of uh, 1 Timothy 2. Let's look at 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, 7 through 15, 1 Timothy 2, verse 7, Paul says, Timothy, for this I was appointed, Paul is saying, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath, without dissension, meaning without disagreement, and likewise women to garnish or adore themselves with orderly attire, uh, with, with humility, with self-estraint, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Now, I have to pause there and explain this. This is not forbidding women from wearing any kind of jewelry. It is not forbidding women from wearing braided hair and gold and pearls. It is not, even though it appears to be. The reason I can say that with all confidence is the context, for one thing, as well as some other Bible verses where it even says that even God adores his wife, the church, us, and Israel, with gold and with costly garments and everything. It's not wrong to have nice stuff, okay? Sometimes a woman should have something nice that she can go out to dinner or a date with her husband to, to feel special and good. This is part of being effeminate. It's okay. But the context is this, is that Paul himself has called, been called to be a leader, an apostle to lead the church. And in that context of where he is a leader in the church structure, 
women who are at church while the men are lifting up their hands, and a woman can do that too. And as the men preach and lead the church, and as women are in the church going to a church service, what they need to be doing is restraining themselves. They need to be humble. They need to be submitting themselves to the men. They need to be submitting themselves to their husbands and to the pastor. They need to be not going to church wearing expensive jewelry and braided hair for the purpose of being seen. So the context and the, and the bottom line of what this really means is a woman should not say to herself when she looks in the mirror in the morning, on Saturday morning, when she's getting dressed for church services, she should not say to herself, oh, today at church, I'm going to look so pretty. I'm going to outdo the poor girl. I'm going to dress better than the poor women. I want to dress better than the pastor. I want people to be looking at me. I'm going to put on my best pearls and my best golden rings and, and more makeup than the rest of the week because I want everybody's eyes on me because I want them to know that I'm pretty, which is what most women, if we're honest, say every day of the week. I'm going to put on this makeup and this short skirt because I want men to look at me. That's what most women do every day when they get ready for work. And when they go out to the store, they fix their makeup and their bra to turn the men's eyes. And that's the God to honest truth. Whether you admit it or you don't admit it. And I know there's exceptions. But I'm saying most women do this. And that's what Paul is saying. Is that a woman should not do that at church but rather she should be humble and not be wanting to draw the eye, not draw the attention, but submitting herself to her husband and the pastor. This is the setting of the church. This is a church setting here. And verse 11, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. In other words, she should not be preaching a sermon. Paul was called to be the pastor. Timothy is called to be the pastor. The husband is called to be the spiritual leader. The woman at church should be sitting with all submissiveness, listening to the men teach. Verse 12, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, Eve, being deceived, fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they, if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Amen. Women need to learn self-restraint. Some women are very good at it. But most women in the United States and in the modern Western world, including South Korea, 
most women do not exercise any self-restraint at all, okay? And that is just the God's honest truth. They want to bully and dominate their husbands, and most husbands are, to be honest with you, scared to death of their women and will obey that woman every word that she speaks, and she wears the pants of the house. She controls the money. She goes to work, makes more money than he does, and he says, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And that's very sad and upside down and broken. And he is not a man, but she has basically cut his balls off. Amen. And it's ridiculous what we are seeing in this world. Ridiculous. It was Eve that was first deceived. The point is women are more easily led astray into cults, false doctrines, even though both men and women are, women are more easily led astray, even as Eve was. Let's go to the book of Genesis now. Genesis chapter 2. I'm not trying to put down women or criticize women. What I'm trying to do is teach you what the Bible teaches, how God looks at these things, and why women need to submit themselves to the men in every case as much as possible. Because that is God's instruction. That is God's instruction. That is the way it should be done. Genesis 2.18. These are not my opinion, but God's opinion. Amen. Genesis 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, verse 18 says, And the Lord, the Theo, said, It's not good that Adam should be alone. I will make for him a helper suitable for him. The man was created first, and then the woman. There's a reason for that. He could have made both at the exact same moment, right? Of course. Of course he could. But he didn't. He made the man first and then made the woman. And why did he make the woman? And why did he make the woman second and not first or at the same time? He did not make them equal. He did not make them equal. And men and women are not equal. Okay? They're both important to God. They both can get saved. They both can go to heaven. They both can enter God's kingdom and receive eternal life. And they're both important to God. And we should love every man and every woman. But we are not equal. Because the woman was made to serve the man. Made to serve the man. The woman was made to serve the man. It says right here, God's words, I will make for him a helper. The woman was made to help the man. You can't get more clear than that. So how is that being equal? They're both important. But the woman was made to serve the man. That's simple. 
Now, if that be true, then really they should be together. And yes, men need women too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Men need women. Absolutely. But women need men more than men need women, especially when we're talking about marriage and protection and finances. Amen. A man could be by himself. He'd be okay financially if he'll work hard and be a man. He'd be fine. He doesn't have to depend on a woman for his financial help. He doesn't have to depend on a woman for his own protection. He would defend himself. Amen. So yes, even though a man needs a woman too, he doesn't need her as much as a woman does him. He, he can be fine by himself. Orny as heck, but he can be fine by himself. Amen. Now, I said earlier that it's in a man's DNA to protect the woman. It is also in the woman's DNA to help the man, right? So we just read here in Genesis 2 that the woman is made to help the man, to be his helper, to be his assistant. And so what that means, it is part of her DNA to help the man, to assist the man. And to not do so would equal not being a woman. Amen. If it's part of her DNA to help the man and she doesn't do that, then she's not being what she was created to be. She's not completing her gender role and she's not doing her job that she was put on this earth to do. And she's not fulfilling her calling. Now, I do have a testimony to give that my dad, after he had lost his wife, all of his wives at the time, except for maybe some that were divorced, but he was widowed. He had lost his most recent wife at that time. And me and my dad would occasionally visit a woman member of the family, sort of like an aunt to me. And when we visited this aunt-like figure of mine, she would always cook or warm up some food for us every time. She'd be like, hey, guys, sit down at the table. Let me warm something up for you. Let me cook. Do you want some, some collard greens with grease, which is so delicious? Pour that hot grease on top of those collard greens. So delicious. You want me to make some gravy? You want me to cook some eggs? Warm up something that I had over, had from last night, whatever. And she would do that every time. And that is called Southern hospitality, meaning a local culture custom, a custom of our local culture. In the Southern region of the United States, the women are well known for when you come into their house, it's not only would you like something to drink? But also, sit down at the table. I will fix you something to eat. Just like back in the time of Jesus, to be like, sit down, let me wash your feet. 
in the south of the United States, the culture, when I was younger, and even to this day, for some people in the south, is sit down and fix you something to eat. Southern hospitality. They don't do that much in the north. Some do, absolutely. But more in the south. The South is known in the United States for being more friendly and more uh, attuned with God's will. It's the Bible Belt, they call it. They call it the Bible Belt in the southern United States. Now, the reason that my aunt would do that every time me and my dad came over and fixed us something to eat is because it was in her DNA to assist the men, to help the men. She knew that 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 was her job. She knew that was her job. She said that was her job. Amen. She didn't say, I want to be a strong, independent woman. But she knew that that was what she was supposed to do, was to cook for the men. Women that claim to be strong and independent are fooling themselves. They might be strong. And they might be independent, but they should not be independent. They're fooling themselves, and they will suffer without the men. They will suffer without men sooner or later. They might survive. They might get along well. They might think that they can dig ditches as good as any man and drive a truck, which a woman should never do. That's ridiculous, driving a truck. Trucks are for men. Silly rabbit. They might survive, but one way or another, they will also suffer the consequences of being looking and sounding and acting like a lesbian, being too butch. They will suffer the consequences for that one way or another sooner or later. Amen. And so will their children also suffer the consequences. Their daughters will grow up to be lesbians. Absolutely, their daughters will grow up to be lesbians because the woman acted like a man. Amen. And their, their sons will grow up to be homosexuals too. That's absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. If the man, if the dad is weak and the woman is too strong, that boy will grow up with a corrupted sense of what a man should be and what a woman should be. And that boy will be weak just like his dad. Amen. It takes a strong man to raise a strong man. You reap what you sow. If you plant a watermelon seed, you're going to get a watermelon. When a weak man has a boy for a son, you will also get another weak man. And when you have a strong, independent, strong woman that works in the world, you're going to get a weak son. We need a strong man and a woman who is a wife, the mother of the children, who is submissive to the man, who stays home, takes care of those children, takes care of the house, takes care of her family, takes care of her husband in order for those children, both the boy and the girl both, 
to grow up intelligent and wise and without mental illness, without dysfunction. Amen? In the Bible, girls stayed with their parents until they was married to a man or sowed to a man. That is what happened in the Bible. The girls would always stay with their parents until they got married or was given to a man, sold to a man, married to a man, whatever. They stayed with their parents until they were with a man. They never just left home to live by themselves. Never, ever, 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 ever in the Bible did a girl say, okay, I am now a certain age, now I can get my own apartment, live by myself and take care of myself and be a strong, independent woman. That never happened in the Bible. Amen. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. And let's see a prophecy for our time. Isaiah 4. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1. Now, I'm not going to read all of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3, but the context, if you wanted to read these chapters later today, tomorrow, during the week, whatever, that would be fine. But the context is the great tribulation. When there's war and destruction and judgment from God, people are dying, people are being punished by God, that is the context of this verse. So then when we come to Isaiah 4, verse 1, And seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own clothing remnant. Only let your name be called upon us and take away our reproach. So what we see here is in the great tribulation, when people are dying, when God's judgment is coming upon this earth in the great tribulation, women are finally going to admit that they need a man. In fact, according to this prophecy, this ain't me. According to the word of God, according to this scripture, according to this prophecy in the Bible, in the Great Tribulation, women will admit that they need a man. And they will even beg for a man to take care of them. Even compromising and saying, uh, you don't even have to feed us. We'll feed ourselves. You don't even have to give us clothes. We'll clothe ourselves. But please, marry me. Let me take your last name. Please be my husband. And I know you've got six other wives. But please be my husband so that I can be delivered from my shame. This is exactly what this says in different words. In other words, these leftist, Democrat, feminist women, so-called feminist women, 
the feminist movement that right now says that they're strong and independent and they don't need a man. When the war comes and they can't just go into a store and pay for something, they're finally going to wake up to the reality that they need a man. And women will finally accept calligraphy in the Great Tribulation. They will, because the Bible says so. Amen. For one thing, many men will die in war. Many, many, many men will die in war. And so there won't be as many men for the women to marry. So it would take seven women for one man just to keep having babies and have life and survival. It will take polygamy. It will take it. It will require it in the Great Tribulation for things to work out right. There might be some strong women out there. I know there are. There's some women out there stronger than me. But when the Great Tribulation comes, they're going to need men, even though strong women are. I've known some strong women that was still scared, scared as heck, scared as heck of snakes and spiders. A woman needs a man. Kill the bugs. Amen. A woman needs a man to kill the snakes. Kiki says, Amen. And a woman needs a man to kill the spiders. Amen. Brittany's like, mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I got a few amens out of that. Praise Jesus. And even the most butchiest, strongest woman still needs a man sooner or later for something. In the great tribulation, they will finally admit it. Amen. Now let's go over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2, verse 28. There ain't no verse 28 there. I'm going to have to find this verse. Oh, it's Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Now, some people will always point to this verse to try to say we can have women pastors, women leaders, that women can work, that women can do anything a man can, anything, because of this verse. They always want to point out this verse because they don't understand the Bible. Amen. Galatians 3, verse 28. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male. This is page 203. Page 203. 
There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. So you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, herds according to promise. So again, a lot of people would say, well, the Bible says there's neither male or female. We're all one in Christ. So it don't matter. We can have women pastors. Women can work. A woman is the same as a man. We're equal. But they don't understand the context. The context is salvation. Amen. When you look at the book of Galatians, we've only got six chapters in Galatians, only six chapters. So it's a very small book, right? But yet, in the book of Galatians of only six chapters, the word circumcision, circumcised, uncircumcised, different versions of that word circumcision, is in this book 13 times. Is that the right number? Going by my memory, 16. 16 times. Wow. 16 times out of only six chapters, it talks about a man's foreskin, circumcision. So that's the context. You can't deny that. When it uses that word circumcised, uncircumcised, circumcision, 16 times in such a small book, then very clearly, very clearly the context is it doesn't matter how big your penis is. It doesn't matter how small your penis is. It doesn't matter whether you have foreskin or not have foreskin. It doesn't matter whether you have long hair or short hair. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. It doesn't matter whether you speak English or Chinese. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female or Jew or Greek. We can all be saved. That's the context. Amen? That anybody can be saved. A man just as good as a woman, a woman just as good as a man, as far as whether or not you can be saved in Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about. I don't see nothing in this whole book of Genesis, I mean Galatians. I don't see anything in Galatians talking about that a woman can lead the man, teach the man, work outside the home. <clears throat> or drive a truck as good as a man. I don't see none of that in this book of Galatians or anywhere in the Bible. Amen. In fact, Paul wrote this book, the same man that was writing a letter to Timothy. The same man wrote this. So it does not even make sense to say that Paul is saying in this verse that a woman can be a pastor. It don't make no sense because he wrote the same letter to Timothy and Corinthians where he talks about a man should be the head of the house and head of the church. Now, I'm going to go through a list, a short list of reasons why it's better for a man to stay single but doesn't apply to women. That what I said two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whenever it was, about 
it's better for a man to stay single right now, how that does not apply toward women. Men have a higher calling to focus on the work of the kingdom. Women can share, testify, witness, but not teach to the same greater extent that men can and men should. More men are called to be deacons, teachers, and pastors rather than women. A woman can be called as a deaconess so that she can lead other women. But it is mostly the men that are called to focus on the work of the ministry. Therefore, there's a difference between a man staying single and a woman staying single. A man can stay single so that he can focus on the work of God and not be distracted with having to take care of a woman. So that doesn't apply toward women then, does it? Another reason is that some men could find themselves fighting and dying in this war, losing their lives, and shouldn't be leaving behind newborn babies. If a man is like 20 years old, 21, and 35, ages like that, they're going to be drafted. Amen. And they will have to go to war and die. Why would a man want to have a baby right now and leave that baby behind and a wife behind? Amen. Right now is really not the time, really, for men and women, either one, to be starting new families. But it's mostly the men that are going to die, even though men and women both would die. When you look at one-fourth of the world's population would die through starvation. Well, that's men and women both. One-fourth of the world's population will die through pestilence, plagues, viruses, germs, bacteria, Ebola, coronavirus. Well, there's men and women both. But when we get to the point of war, it's mostly men because it's mostly men that's going to be in the Chinese army, the Russian army, the Iranian army, the American army. Yes, there are some women that's going to be in the armies, but mostly men. So when we get to the one-fourth of the earth dying through war, it will be mostly men in that one-fourth that will die from war. And that's why you will have seven women, but only one man. And they will have to, have, they will have to resort to pornography. They will have to for survival. Amen. And even if they don't go into battle, into war, even at home, even in the local towns, it will still be mostly men to die because it is the men that will be sneaking outside the home to go find food in the woods, hunting, fishing, finding food that's left over in the grocery store, finding food that's left over on the side of the street or in the dumpster while the woman stays in the house in safety, the men, being men, will be the ones to be out there looking for food, and they will say to their women, stay here. Don't go anywhere. 
and I will go look for food. I will go look for water. I will go look for supplies. You stay right here. I'll be back. Right? Amen? And a lot of those men will never come back. So it's mostly men that will die from the sword, the war that is to come, although many women will die as well, but mostly men. So it's better for a man to stay single. And it's actually better for a woman to find some man to go out and hunt for them and other things. Another point is that some men have the option of prostitutes in some situations. But women never have that option. Men can have many wives, including prostitutes. But women can only have one husband at a time. So men have more options for sex, which they need very badly and must have. Men must have sex for good physical health. If a, if a man does not ejaculate often enough, he will get cancer. And that's been proven by science over and over and over. If a man does not ejaculate often enough, he will get testicle cancer, prostate cancer, penile cancer, at least three different forms of cancer he can get just because he's not having enough sex. So it's not just that he likes sex, but also that his body demands sex. It is in his DNA for a man to have sex often. Not his fault. It's the way God made and engineered a man. It is in his DNA. And that's one of the reasons why there is that option of prostitutes for men. There is. But women don't have that option of prostitutes, of a male prostitute, or multiple husbands, or any such thing, because it's not in her DNA to demand sex. It's not in her DNA that she has have to have. Now, some women, some women, yeah. But most women, they could care less. Most women could care less whether they ever have sex ever again. So men and women are not equal. They are different, entirely different in many ways. But it's better for a man to stay single in the context of the great tribulation to come and just go to a prostitute or just jack off. It's better for a man to do that than to get up with a woman that's going to distract his time, take his money, and everything else in this day and in this time. We're dealing with a situation of the great tribulation, which is a very special situation. It is also another reason is that it is harder for a man to find the right woman. I know, I know many women would disagree with that. And I understand, yes, it's hard for women to find good men, too. I know that's true as well. It works both ways. In this day and time, it's hard for a man to find a good woman, and it's hard for a woman to find a good man. Both is true. Absolutely, I agree. It is hard to find a good man. But it is more hard to find a good woman. And the reason I say that is 
Because the man must be concerned about whether or not the woman is still married to some man from years ago and how many men that she had sex with. But a woman doesn't have to even think about that. Let me say that again, make sure you get this. When a man is looking for a wife, when a man is looking for a woman to have sex with or to live with or to take care of, he has to be concerned with whether that woman is a virgin or not, how many men she had sex with, who she had sex with, whether a man is still supporting her financially, whether a man is still supporting her child. And all this, a man has to consider all that. But a woman doesn't have to consider any of that. Because when a woman is looking for a man, she does not have to think about who he is having sex with, as long as it's women. She doesn't have to think about how many girls that he has been with, because it don't matter. He can have as many wives as he wants. So it is easier for a woman to find a good man rather than a man to find a good woman, because a man has more to consider. A man has much more to consider. And let's face it, there's not too many women virgins out there. So this really narrows down the playing field for men, but not for women. I also find that many more women are caught up in witchcraft than men. Yes, there are some men in witchcraft but many more women. Many more women are caught up in witchcraft rather than men. So this, again, decreases the number of available good wives for men. Also, many women are too dominant or too rebellious and too independent. So they are not good candidates for wives. Amen. So for all of these reasons, it would be better in the, in the time frame and situation that we face right here, right now, where the majority of women are too independent, disobedient, rebellious, and involved in witchcraft, wearing black nail polish, which is sick and disgusting, wearing black... Uh, eye makeup around their eyes and they think that makes them look pretty and it makes them actually look ugly. It makes them look worse. It makes them look like they got a black eye. I do not understand why any woman would want to put a whole bunch of black makeup all around her eye. It's ugly. And yet they think it makes them look good and sexy. But I find it quite disgusting. So for all these reasons, it would be better for a man to be single. Also, the Bible very clearly teaches that women should have and need the male caretakers. And women, in turn, should take care of the men with sex, with food on his table, with cleaning the house, with raising the children, Helping that man when he comes home 
from the hard day's work to help him relax and unwind. A woman should not be uh, aggravating her husband. Amen. A woman should not be aggravating her husband and stressing him out, but rather she should help him relax and wind down. When he comes home from work, she should, she should say, Honey, here's your beer. Here's your newspaper. Here's your steak and potatoes. Amen. It is not natural for women to be alone. The fact is, women need husbands more than men need wives. None of this means, none of this means that all women must stay with their husbands. There are times when divorce is the best thing to do, such as severe physical abuse. But I say severe physical abuse because some women will say every little thing is abuse. Amen. Especially in this day and this time, many women would consider themselves abused when they're not. A man does have a right to discipline his wives in the proper manner. And sometimes that might be a little bit more harsh than normal. But a man does have the right to take a woman over his lap, over his knees, and give her a good spanking if she is disobedient, rebellious, or wicked, or sinful, or disrespectful to him, then that husband does have the right to discipline her one way or another, including spanking or removing her money for a day or two or a week or a month or whatever, uh, not giving her allowance or whatever, different forms of discipline. I'm not saying that he can beat her to death or anything like that. Just like I also don't say you should be a, a child to death. Come on now. Let's be reasonable. We've got to have the proper balance. A man can and should properly spank his children. Amen. And when you do not spank your children, they will grow up to be spoiled, rotten, and mean, and wicked. One way or another, they will grow up wrong if you do not spank your children. And in the same way, there's a proper way to spank your children. There's also proper ways for a man to discipline a wayward woman. And that does include spanking if necessary. If necessary. Amen. But most women today... If a, man, if a man even tries to spank her, oh, my God, I got to call the police. I called 911 because you spanked my ass. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So most women are very, very rebellious. It would be better for a man just to stay single in the light of current events and the way things are today. But there are times for divorce. It, it, there are times when a woman should leave a man if it is severe physical abuse. 
But even when there is divorce, a woman still needs some kind of a male covering, a male mantle, a male leadership. For all of the reasons I have said, including many biblical examples, what I have shared with you today is not my opinion, for I have no right to my opinion. The only thing I can do is point you to the Bible and common sense and history and science DNA. Amen. So I thank you for listening today. Please remember to read the article about Perm and read the book of Esther because Perm is only one month away. I did send out the newsletter today, and I will also be copying it to put on MeWe as well as on the online newsletter on proveallthings.webby.com. It will be posted there later as well. Got a great movie lined up for us to watch today here locally as part of our uh, fellowship on the seventh day here after we eat, watch a good movie or two as part of our fellowship to help us uh, have conversation in order to provoke our thoughts and um, be edified and spend time together here locally. So I look forward to that. Um, And I want to also uh, point out just a couple of things really quickly again, that even though a woman needs a male covering, a male guidance, male leadership, doesn't mean that every woman needs to go out and find her husband. But a woman does need some kind of a male covering locally, in person, not just over the Internet. And that could be uh, a true pastor or a stepfather or brother or someone who help watch out for them. Amen. When you come to Jesus Christ in the truth, which is the only way to come to Jesus Christ, amen, when you come to him and his truth, the scripture will change your way of thinking. In this upside-down, broken world we live in, all of us had a crooked way of thinking. But as we continue to read the Bible, and allow God to shape us, to change us, to transform us. He will change our way of thinking, whether you are a man or a woman, Jew or Greek, bondservant, slave or master. God will change your way of thinking. And we need to allow that, allow him, to change the way we think and act. Amen. We want to follow God's will, not our own way, not our own will, but his way, which is truly more healthy. God's way is more healthy and safer for us. 
We're at the door of the great tribulation. It is now time to change our ways from our will to his will. Amen. And if you if you have not yet prayed about God's will, about where you need to be for the great tribulation, you about to got you about to start praying and fasting about that. Where does God want you to be before the strong delusion? And at the timing of perm, only one month away, where does God want you to be? I would say most people are going to say that God wants them to stay where they're at. And it's not the truth. I understand for some people it might be God's will for you to stay where you're at. But I don't don't think that's the truth for most people. I think the truth is for most people, whether you're saved or not saved, I think the real truth for most people is that God's will is for you to get out of Dodge. That's a saying. And it means get out of the city. Get out of the urban areas. Get out of the coastline away from the oceans and away from military bases and military targets. Get out of Las Vegas. Get out of California. Get out of Florida and Texas and New York City and Detroit. For most of you, I know some people have to stay just a little bit longer. I know some people have to stay just one more month or just two more months. I understand that. Different people are in different situations. But whatever your situation is, if you have not yet fasted about God's will, about where you need to be, you need to. Because this is serious, and it is life or death. And also the same thing about physical supplies, extra food, and other supplies for the great tribulation. Everybody's different. It's meant for some people to take and have only what's on their back, maybe a backpack, maybe a pillow and a blanket, and a bow and a fork and a spoon. No pets allowed where I am and where I am going because a pet would be an extra mouth to feed, and that would not be wise. And I know the way cats and dogs pee all over the place, and they're going to be in a strange brand new location. And all the barking and peeing and pooping and everything else we don't need where we're going. Everybody's in a different boat. Everybody's in a different situation. But some people are going to have to sacrifice pets. And some people are going to have to sacrifice husbands or wives or mother or aunt or children. Jesus himself said that he that will forsake his wife will be blessed. Jesus said it. That those that forsake their wife 
and their brothers and their sisters and their children will inherit his kingdom if you're willing to forsake even your own family. That's his words in different words. And he says, he also says in another verse, that if you love father or mother or children more than him, then you are not worthy of him. Some people, some people are going, actually everybody, is going to have to make some very strong and serious decisions very quickly, very soon. Are you ready to make those decisions based upon God's will and not your own? It is time for some major fasting and self-examination about how far will you go to serve Christ? Will you take up the cross and deny yourself and your family and follow him wherever he may take you? How far are you willing to go for Christ? And then there's another thing to consider. And that is that some of you, your husbands and your wives and your children, when they see the strong delusion, they will remember what you said. They will remember that you said, that Pastor Tim said, that the Bible said that the Antichrist would appear in the sky. Amen. And that his name would be Assad. He's the president of Syria. He will appear on the sky, not just any day of the year, but on perm. Maybe the Jews dating. Maybe the true date, but on perm. They will remember that. They would know that. And you know what they're going to do then? They're going to say they were wrong when they laughed at you. They was wrong when they mocked you. They was wrong when they rejected God's truth. Amen. And they're going to repent. Your children will repent. Your husbands will repent. Your wives, your parents, your children, whoever, your friends, your neighbors, they're going to repent because they're going to remember that you told them before it happened what was going to happen and when and how and everything. They're going to repent. And then they're going to want to know about the seventh day. They're going to want to know more. So you need to actually uh, get a printed copy of the website too. And we do have that. And that's being updated within the next few days as well. Probably within the next week or two, we will also announce when you can order a printed copy of all the articles from the website in book form, which will be in four volumes. It used to be in two volumes. Now it's going to be in four volumes because now we've got more articles and be in four volumes of what's called the writings of Isolate Ministries. Four volumes. That's not available yet. I will let you know. It will be an updated copy of the website. And you can get that as well. You're going to need that because uh, in the Great Tribulation, you won't be able to listen to these sermons anymore. 
unless you've got them saved on an MP3 player. And even then, you're going to need rechargeable batteries and a solar battery charger. And you need to get your supplies as soon as possible. Rechargeable batteries and a solar battery charger. They've got them out there, and they're not that expensive. They're really not. You might have to sacrifice a few, a few pizzas. You might have to sacrifice a few hamburgers or a steak. You might have to sacrifice not going to your weekly uh, uh, back massage, foot massage, pedicure, and manicure. You might have to sacrifice something to be able to afford to get these things. But they're really not that expensive. The Bibles are not that expensive. The writings of I Saw the Light Ministries are really not that expensive. And a solar battery charger is really not that expensive. Look around, trying to get a good deal, but don't wait too long because time is running out. And a lot of, a lot of these people, websites, are running out of supplies. They are. A lot of websites are running out of supplies, and a lot of websites are now taking three weeks, even four weeks, to deliver some of these supplies. And it's only going to get worse and worse and worse as we see the Syrian and Turkish militaries bumping heads in Syria. That's a very serious situation. And a fulfill, fulfillment of prophecy. Absolutely a fulfillment of prophecy. Amen. And right on time, on God's calendar, not my calendar, God's calendar. Amen. If God gives us another year, which I doubt it, but if he gives us another year, then praise the Lord, that would be wonderful. But when I look at the news this morning and see what's going on, uh-uh, uh-uh. This looks like it's going to be it. It looks like this is going to be it. Praise the Lord for that, too. And let's not be shaking in our boots. Well, barefoot shaking. Don't be shaking in your bare feet or in your boots because God is in control. Amen? God is in control. But you've got to be on the right path. You've got to be obedient to him. Amen? And if you are in the center of his will, in the right place, at the right time, according to his will about where he wants you to be, then, then God's will will be done. Then God's will will be done. But if you're going your own way and your own will, then God's will will not be done in your life because it's your will will be done in your own life. Amen? God give us free will. That's what free will means, is that we can follow our own will or his will. And if you follow your own will, you, can't, you, cannot, you cannot depend on God. Because if you follow your own will, then you're not on the right path. You have to get on the right path and follow him and take up your cross. Amen. And it's well worth it. Well worth it. I will also say that we are watching for the fulfillment of the prophecy of the dance. That Jesus gave me that dream in 2008, and it will be fulfilled. 
and I believe it will be fulfilled very soon, that the Syrians or Iranians or somebody from the Middle East will attack the Hoover Dam as well as the Grand Coulee Dam in the state of Washington. And it's possible maybe even multiple other dams all across the United States. But I know for sure the Grand Coulee Dam in Washington State and, the, and the, also the Hoover Dam in Las Vegas, those are the dams that Jesus has revealed to us. I don't want it to happen, but it's God's prophecy, not mine, and it will be fulfilled. And that's going to cause the loss of drinking water and electricity for a large portion of the West Coast of America. Amen. We could also see a chemical weapons use in Syria at any time. That's possible as well. And what we expect to happen, according to the Bible, is a direct confrontation between the United States, uh, NATO, Turkey, against Syria. Daniel 11.40 prophesizes that, that the King of the North, which is NATO, North American Treaty Organization, which is Turkey and America and other NATO members, coming against the Syrian Assad. We've seen that already. We have seen that for years. And it will increase within these next 30 days. Absolutely increase in these next 30 days. Absolutely. We will see a greater fulfillment of the King of the North American Treaty Organization coming against Syria because it's in today's news. How can we deny that? It's happening right in front of our eyes. Glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This should encourage us because the coming of the Lord is near. But when we say that the coming of the Lord is near, we need to specify that Jesus is coming after the tribulation. It irritates me, frustrates me, and it irritates God when I see people putting on social media Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And you don't specify that he is coming after the tribulation. It irritates me because it irritates God. Because when you say that Jesus is coming soon and you don't specify after the tribulation, then you are proclaiming false prophecy because it makes the people that read that think that you're saying he's coming tonight or tomorrow, or this year, because that is what people receive in their mind. That's what they receive in their heart when they read that. They're saying, oh, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, we're going to have a pre-trib rapture. That is the vibe, the energy that you are releasing into this dark world, more darkness, more lies, deception, when you just say Jesus is coming soon, because you're feeding the monster. You're feeding the beast. You're feeding that false, that deception, that strong delusion. You're feeding people's false way of thinking that he could come back tonight or tomorrow. Don't feed the beast. When you say Jesus is coming soon, you need to specify. He is coming after the tribulation, and the tribulation is at the door. Specify it so that people do not misunderstand you, so that you're not feeding that deception of that false doctrine. Amen. 
and stop taking selfies. Code 11. Code 11. Stop taking selfies. It is vanity. It is vain. It is not the way a saint of God should be doing. Amen. All right. Enough of this. Praise the Lord Jesus. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.